0: Hey friends, welcome to episode two of the Networking Nerds podcast. My name is Rob Koble, and I am excited to bring you this next podcast. Um, I think it embodies the spirit of everything that I talk about, which is uh, good professional behavior, but more than anything, networking. And I have a panel of guests that are with me for uh, today's podcast that I think you're gonna really enjoy. We recorded this last week out at Full Sail University during their Hall of Fame week. And if you're not familiar with Full Sail University, this is the uh, school that I spent 11 years as the conduit to the game industry and the career services advisor at. Each and every year they have a Hall of Fame ceremony where they welcome six new inductees into the Full Sail Hall of Fame. The people that are Picked for this honor are people that not only have made some really great accomplishments in their particular fields, but have also taken a lot of time to give back to their community. It's not uncommon to find many of the Full Sail Hall of Fame inductees on campus talking with students, doing lectures, networking, and sharing their their wealth of wisdom with the next generation of game developers, audio engineers, filmmakers. Uh, comp- computer graphics specialists, and what have you. Um, if you're interested in a career in media arts, I would highly recommend that you check out Full Sail University in Winter Park, Florida. My guests for, for this podcast actually feature two Hall of Fame members. Uh, first is Leslie Brathwaite. Leslie's an 18-time Grammy winner, and you know his work that he's done with groups like TLC and Pharrell. He's also a card-carrying game nerd, so it was great to have him in here. The other Hall of Fame member is Kim Elpert. Kim is currently the Director of Creative Technology at DCI Artform, and she has a storied career doing a lot of various... Digital media works and installations. You can uh, find out more about her at her website, which is just kimalpert.com. Future Hall of Famers, I should say, very good candidates to once they hit eligibility, uh, uh, get Hall of Fame honors also joined us. First and foremost is Grant Schonkweiler. He's a former uh, producer and project manager at companies like id and epic. Uh, He currently has his own consulting group uh, where he works with various game developers in uh, teaching production. And from what I understand, he has a book coming out uh, sometime real soon as well. So we'll keep an eye on that. Will Fitzgerald, he's a five-year veteran of game design. Uh, He most currently worked at Volition, Deep Silver Volition, up in Champaign, Illinois. And he's currently the project manager for a local startup here in Orlando called Doghead Simulation. Doghead Simulation is a company you're going to hear a lot more about uh, in future podcasts as we um, start uh, as we're able to round those guys up. Um, Albert Perez, who is the co-founder of Doghead Simulation, uh, couldn't be with us for this podcast, but we're going to get him on one, uh, coming up here in the next couple of weeks. He was actually the reason we were all here at Hall of Fame because Albert was just inducted into the Full Sail Hall of Fame. Last but not least, we have, um, my friend Mark Diaz, who's a game programmer at id Software. Uh, each and every one of these students graduated from Full Sail University, um, So, again, uh, the last three that I mentioned might not be eligible yet to uh, be inducted into the Hall of Fame, but their careers are certainly um, heading in that direction. So I want to thank these guys for all taking the time to sit down with us and talk. I think the conversation uh, took an an interesting turn as we talked a little bit about managing your careers, but uh, also got into uh, how to conduct yourself at... Uh, conferences and conventions and what it takes to succeed and have a fulfilling career that offers a life balance as well as um, being 100% committed to what you're doing. I think balance is really important. And the passion that these guys display and that they show with what they do, not only with their technical crafts, but with their willingness to give back and uh, constantly continue to educate is second to none, and I, I again I just can't thank these guys enough. So, so anyway, that's enough for me. Let's jump right into it here. Um, keep an eye out for future podcasts coming up here. Like I said, we have Doghead Simulations. Uh, I'm going to be bringing Elise Metzler, the uh, recruiting snitch on. Sometime in the near future, and we're going to talk a little bit about her book, the Recruiting Snitch, and some tips from an actual uh, seasoned recruiter out there on how you can get noticed. So, without further ado, here we go. Recorded uh, the week of February twentieth here at Full Sail University, a cast of incredible Full Sail alumni giving you their wisdom and um, encouragement on how you can manage your career and network for success. I hope to see y'all real soon. In the meantime, be sure to stay tuned to robcoble.org for regular posts and updates. See ya. So, Mr. Schonkweiler, let's start with you. And I'm going to start. My first question is this. You've had a, um, what, eight years now that you've been out working in games and in some pretty heavy studios, uh, id Software and Epic. But you chose to start your career at a casino game company called AMI in Ben Salem, Pennsylvania, <laughs> why did you choose that? What what was appealing to you about that, and, and and why did you not jump right into what you originally thought you were going to do?
1: Yeah, so I I actually interviewed with uh, with a couple of AAA companies and um, and a couple like other big companies that were doing smaller things, um, and when I talked to the crew at AMI, they they came here to uh, talk at full sale, um, and Rob. Graciously hooked me up with them. Um, I I realized that if I went to a smaller company, I would be able to do more things and learn more because I would go and I wouldn't just be programmer number one twenty seven. I would go and I would be programmer nine, and uh, and they didn't really have like a a full time game designer. They didn't have a producer, and those were things I was interested in. Um, <clears throat> and also, I knew I could make a lot of games fast, and. Um, the thing about making games is the more games you make, the better you get at making games. It doesn't really matter the size or the scope of the game, just the more you make. Um, and so I went there and I started out as a as an audio uh, programmer and then just became a game programmer. And then through conversations, uh, expressed my interest in being a game designer. Um, and at the time we were doing... Um, touchscreen games and we were starting, the iPhone had just come out, so we were making games for the iPhone. So we were kind of on the forefront of that. Um, And we were doing much more than just Casino, we were doing a lot of different types of of, uh, game experiences. And so I expressed my interest in doing design and um, got offered to do like co-design with the creative director on on a game. And uh, it ended up being the most successful game of that launch and he was like, well, do you just want to do this full time? And I said, sure. And so then I became the game designer and then, uh, eventually became the lead game designer, which was just the lead was added on because it was another way of saying I was the producer. So I was leading basically all of game production at that nice. studio. Um, and it was just about being in the right place at the right time, putting myself out there. Um, but I learned so much there that that's basically how I've moved through my career is, is on those experiences. Cause I made, um over 50 games there. Um so yeah, I I knew that if I went to a triple A place, I would kind of just be shoehorned into a position and I would just get to make one game in 3 years, 4 years, but instead I make 50 games in 3 years. Uh and then when the uh when the opportunity um came at it, it was an opportunity to do what I wanted. They said, um, you know, we really like you. Um do you want to come in what do you want to do? Do you want to be a producer, or a programmer, or a game designer? Um, and at that point, I really just wanted to do the full, full-on full production thing. So, yeah, I think going to a, to a smaller place, there's a lot of value in that because um, it's it's kind of it's a more intimate setting, and you're working closer with um, the people as opposed to just randomly seeing. You really
0: got a chance to see the entire process. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: I mean, and and those games were three to four people working on them, so you were the entire process. Nice. Um, and by the end, I, I had... Um, about 20 20 games in production at a time as the lead. Um, So I would be working on five or six new ideas. I would have five or six games that were kind of finishing out in QA and getting ready for release. And then I'd have eight or nine that were in production um, in full-on development.
0: So you took a very strategic approach to how, uh, I mean, you really thought out your career path before just diving in because you had connections at ID. Mm -hmm. You yeah. had been nurturing a relationship with one of their recruiters for yeah. for the whole time you were at AMI, right? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, yeah. I um, I knew that I wasn't going to stay there forever, and I knew that I wanted to move to AAA and ship some first person shooters because I, I love first person shooters, um, and so I nurtured you know a, a relationship is 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 probably the best way to say it a friendship a, a true friendship with um, with uh, Carrie Barcroft who was their Recruiter and head of HR over there, and uh, every year we would hang out at GDC, and um, you know I was friends with her son Sam, um, so it's just a matter of time before the right thing showed up sure. there. Um, yeah, and and I had always wanted to. I mean, it's it's software. Mark uh, can can uh, you know talk about how as as a hardcore like first person shooter nerd working at did software is, you know, the pinnacle. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, the day that I got to work with John Carmack was like one of the greatest days of my life. Yeah. You know, that is pretty like, cool. It's like, he's like, like, Oh, Hey, I know who you are. I was like, Oh,
2: <laughs>
1: well,
0: I, I think it's important because too many people, especially when they're coming out of university or whatever program, they have their sights on that first job and oftentimes don't have realistic expectations that, you know, how they're going to get their start, that they're not going to probably get the dream job as their first job when they get out, and thinking ahead, I think, was a a really good strategy. It
1: obviously worked out really well for you. Yeah, and Demo said a good thing this week at at Hall of Fame, where he said, um, you you pick what your goal is, and... Uh, Everything you do should be to get to that goal, and even if it seems sideways or, or or wrong to other people, if you know that it's the right direction, right? So, so I knew that I knew that eventually I wanted to be a producer in AAA, and so I went and did all these other things to get to that point. So even if those, even if you go somewhere that doesn't, like, isn't that right? So if you're like, my goal is to work at Epic Games and be, you know, a lead programmer at Epic Games, well, you know, you may have to go off and be a, you know, a programmer at, you know, some other company, some small company for five years, six years, get sure. the experience and then go there. But it's still keeping that goal in mind and constantly working towards it.
0: Absolutely. So Mark, you're at it now, currently. Yes. And yeah. how's the the <coughs> Shank legacy at uh, mm. at Ed right now? Everything uh, still holding it's together. It's intact, yes. yeah. it's all intact. Okay, oh, thank God. Still, the stories are still
2: whispered throughout the halls. Yeah. Of uh, the legendary Shankwiler.
0: The, did they did they pull the statue down or is that still yeah. up?
2: Oh no, that was pulled down. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I
0: built that, so. Uh, okay, so. so. well, how so? How how did your path go getting into ID? Because you actually went right into AAA right out of right. yeah.
2: Yeah, and that, and that wasn't You must the plan. be really smart or something. Uh, that allegedly. Uh, <laughs> that, that was not the plan. It just kind of happened. Uh, so I I uh, did pretty well in school, and I ended up talking to you early because I knew I had done well, and I, I really wanted to do everything I could to put myself out there and, and kind of stand out amongst all the other graduates because there are just a ton of super talented people, and I wanted to make sure that, you know, I can, I can get what I wanted to. It, it sounds selfish, but I was just trying to Look out for myself. Uh, sure, anyway. I mean, you have to. Yeah. yeah. So I went straight to you a few months from graduation and um, got my resume looked at. And when you had heard I was interested in id, we, um, it was the same person, Carrie Barcroft, mm-hmm. uh, got my resume, passed it off to Robert Duffy. I ended up taking the programming test. And just ha- having the opportunity to take that test kind of blew my mind uh, when it happened. So I, I took the test. We had two days to complete it. And I, I spent, um, you know, hours on it. It wouldn't take me a long time to complete it, but I wanted to turn in something to make myself stand out. So I even, I even spent time, all the code that I wrote for the test, I, I like meticulously color-coded it just like the sample code they gave me to make it seem like, you know, um, I belonged there. Yeah. And, and uh, so that's what I did, and it ended up working out for me. I got the phone call and then uh, an, an on-site interview and then I was offered the job. Um, and that was crazy because id was a place that I'd always thought of as being somewhere I'd like to end up once I had some experience in the industry. Sure. Like like the, you know, that's the holy grail, first person shooters. I grew up playing Doom, Quake. Um, that And the, you know, just the rock stars of the industry that have come out of that studio. John Carmack, John Romero, um, Adrian Carmack, Tim Willits, uh, Robert Duffy, all those guys. Um, that was a, a true dream to get to, to work with them of mine. So, uh, you know, when it happened, it was, uh, I just seized the opportunity.
0: And uh, you, you've been there almost three years now and you've already, uh, what was your first ship title? What was your first credit?
2: First credit doom. Oh my doom God. 2016. You just nice. like swinging for the yeah. fences, man. It did. That nice. was That's crazy. like the pinch hit
0: home run in the bottom of the ninth. Yeah. Yeah. Nice.
2: Yeah. It was, uh, it was great, great to get to come in straight into that. Cause, um, And man, if you haven't seen the history of that development, the development of that title, check it out. There's a no-clip documentary by Danny O'Dwyer that he did on it. And it's just, um, you know, it was rough the first few years. I think they rebooted it twice. And um, God, getting, it's just, the timing couldn't have been more perfect getting to come in there and and knock it out of the park with all those amazing people at that studio.
3: That's
1: awesome. I think think you left a, a key bit out of your story, though, and that's, since this is about networking in a lot of sense, I had met Mark multiple times yeah. and, and Carrie knew of Mark and he spent time talking to you. Um and because you and I and Carrie are such close friends, um as soon as you know you passed the resume over, I was like, Yeah. Yeah yeah, let, let's Well and Carrie there, and, and, and Carrie and, and,
0: actually <laughs> called me and said she had talked to you guys and because that they weren't looking for entry level, but because the resume came from where it did, they were going to go ahead and test him.
1: Yeah. And, and, and I think what's important about that is like, I didn't, you know, I didn't give Mark his job. Mark got his job, right? But because he had put himself out there and had come out and talked to me, and like we had talked online and, and all these other things. I had a face to the resume, and, and I knew that he wasn't, like, an awkward person or, like, you know, an asshole. Well, you didn't, know, did he smell bad. Yeah, I, I knew well. that. He, I knew, <laughs> and, and, and also, the conversations that we'd had, he had came off very well-spoken, and sure. communication as a producer is super important to me. And so, uh, yeah, and it wasn't like I was like, yeah, we're going to hire this guy. No, it was just like, oh, yeah, I, I've met him. Uh, here's my, like, five-minute take on him, which, luckily, um, I have a good... I can kinda of tell if I want to work with somebody in five or six minutes. Sure. And I was like, Yeah. And then I actually left before I think before I you even did the test. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, or right around when you did the test, I left. But you know, I was I was joking with Mark and I was like, You're my last hurrah. And I did <laughs> yeah. my saving throw. Right. I was like, I'm leaving, but take this genius. <laughs> well, that that says a lot
0: for Mark because he did a great job of establishing a reputation for himself long before he applied to that yeah. first job. So by the time you got out there, people already kind of knew who you were and that you were somebody that should, you know, we should at least take right. a look at. And then, of course, you know, all of that is what gets you in the door and, and enabled you to show off what you can do technically.
2: Totally. And a lot of that falls back on what I said earlier about I tried to do everything I could to make myself stand out because mm-hmm. I know there's a ton of competition and I know there's a ton of geniuses out there. And so I, I went to every networking event I could I, I tried to, you know, talk to everyone I could um, to put myself out there.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So I am going to switch over to Leslie here real quick because I spent 20 years in the music business uh, and I sold the records that you mixed or produced. In fact, thank you because I think you probably paid a couple of my paychecks uh, selling some <laughs> TLC records and stuff like that, so... Um, I know that the music industry now is a lot different, and you're actually in a different area than than I was in, but uh, I'm going to put everybody's Twitter uh, handles up on on the page so people can follow you. One of the things I love is you give back so much, not just to the music community, but here at Full Sail, you're very involved in the Atlanta community with uh, the schools up there, and not just teaching people the art of how to make a record, but more teaching people the art of how to be good people. I love all the memes that you put up on Instagram and, and Facebook and stuff like that. Tell me right now, what do you look for like when you're getting ready to bring in an intern or, or you, know, you have a position that you need to fill? I would imagine these positions are extremely valuable because there's only one or two maybe per year instead of 20. So... I know you're not just coming through a big pile of resumes.
4: No, um, I tend to look for um, things that, it, it, you know, the intangibles, the things that are just, you, you can teach people a lot of things. You know, you can, I used to say you can, you know, teach people the technical things, but you can't teach them certain things. And there's certain things you can teach people. But I guess I'm getting older and I don't want to teach you certain. I want you to kind of just, you know, <laughs> yeah. I want you to kind of have that part figured out. It's it's kind of where I'm at with it, and it, and it, it it's not about um, the the courtesies of the business or that kind of thing. It's do you understand the basic principle of service and giving of yourself? Mm-hmm. And it's not. It shouldn't always be about me, 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 and what can the world do for me. It yeah. should be more about what can I do for the world. And it's more about understanding that concept. So, so we're talking about teamwork. Kind yeah, of, yeah. Just how to be a part of a team and how to make your environment better and how to leave spaces that you're in better. And, you know, that kind of thing and uplifting each other and caring about each other and, you know, all those kind of, you know, sappy things, you know.
0: Yeah, you call them sappy, and maybe they are a little sappy, but at the same time, that's that's the majority of what people are looking for. Uh, technical skills are important, obviously, but uh, do you agree that somebody with good professional skills are going to have more opportunity to have their technical skills looked at?
4: Definitely. And yeah.
0: rarely, somebody with good technical skills is going to you know. Well, let's see if this guy can hang. You know, carry his own weight or. Yeah, whatever.
4: people skills is, is important. I mean. The reality of my business is most artists are crazy and insecure and they're babies and their lives are nowhere near as together as people think they are. Right. They, their lives are actually quite horrible. And 98% of the people I work with, they I would never want to be them. Wow. And, they, they, and most of them have a lot of money, but that's all they have. Yeah. They have no real friends. It's terrible, and they are crazy people. So to manage that and to be able to navigate just a day with some of these people requires people skills, and I see it all the time with engineers, and I I know guys that are really good at their jobs as far as the technical part, and you know, a, a certain person will come in the room and try to act like he wants to be involved in a mix, and you already know. I know how to resolve a conflict by not even having one. Yeah. You know, I make every I. one of the best movies ever is Inception. Like I live by the theory of making people think everything was their idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There so, you go. Cool. Yeah. You know, I have A&Rs. Yeah. that come in my session and go turn up the guitar and there's no guitar in the song. But I know <laughs> what that's about. It's you want to act like you were the one that I'm in control. Sure yeah. And if that's what you need to feel good about your life. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm okay. You're pocketing in the dollars in the end, so yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. so those kind of skills of of not even needing the recognition or mm-hmm. that's all of that is you know part of the game, and that's what I look for in people. Yeah, Kim, you're kind of nodding along to you. Do yeah, there's a,
3: there's a term that um, that's really really sharp. That Jonathan, who is the uh, he's a music supervisor, music manager at Sony, who's on a bunch of panels this week. Um, situational awareness mm. that really sums up, because it's not just people's skills, knowing how to talk to somebody and introduce yourself, but it's knowing how to read a room, because sometimes you're not going to know the relationship between two people and, out of five that are in a room, and you kind of have to tell, like, ooh, there's something tense there, there could be some kind of dynamic going on, like, maybe those two people are divorced, you're not going to know everybody's stuff. Right. So being able to kind of read a multi-person situation, I think in a lot of our disciplines, it's very collaborative. There's a lot of people involved. Sometimes you get these big groups in a room. That's a, a really neat skill. Um, that, that term of situational awareness really resonated with me this week.
0: That's brilliant. I, I like that. How, how does somebody learn how to do that?
3: Uh, I mean, I think, you know, my best advice would be to start with um, researching mindfulness I think that understanding how to just kind of read that energy and be more open for yourself is the start. And I think that the, that information just kind of starts getting to you that way when you're, when you figure out how to attune your reception to it. Yeah. It's not about how do you, you know, how, how is it read? Like, what is it saying? But more like, how am I creating myself to be the receptor of it? Because yeah. it's just there. Like people are just emitting it all the time. Sure. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, it, I, I say one of my favorite sayings is, you know, life is ten percent what happens but ninety percent how you react to it. For sure. And you have to you have to accept that certain things are gonna be certain ways and there's nothing you can do about it, no yep. matter how much you throw yourself in there and, you know, try to control the situation. Right. But sometimes the best thing to do is just get up and walk out. Other mm-hmm. times, you know, other times you gotta just kinda grin and bear it. So I I like talking about these kinds of topics and kind of more the abstract or the intangibles, like, as Leslie called them, because a lot of the students that I've worked with uh, over the years. And even today, I had a, a conversation with a guy that just got back from uh, the dev conference in San Francisco, and he was kind of beating himself up because he doesn't feel like he really took good advantage of having this entire community in front of him. And he did make a few connections and has a few business cards that he's going to follow up with. But finally, I got him to say exactly what it was that he was uncomfortable with. And it was just walking up to people that he didn't know, especially when they were in groups. So I'd like to talk about that for a few minutes because... There's some awesome networking people in this room. You guys seem to be pretty comfortable. I know for me, I I certainly wasn't comfortable. We networked comfortable. each other.
3: Like, yeah. now we're like such good buds. Yeah, like, you
0: guys all started out not yeah, knowing I was each like other. Just and touching
3: the heads of Leslie and Grant simultaneously. <laughs> and like, and the through osmosis, of us were, you
1: got yeah. yeah. We
3: didn't study the same thing. We weren't on the campus at the same time. We live in different states, and like, we're truly friends. Like, we really yeah. communicate the, all the time.
4: And one of the important components is we all are graduated in different disciplines. Yeah. yeah. And I, yeah. Preach, I preach that all the time in networking where having a diverse group of friends benefits you in so many ways. You can, I learn so much when I'm around Kim. She might not know it, but I'm learning. I learned so much when I'm around Grant yeah. and he might not know it, but I'm learning. Yeah. And I didn't learn anything from Will, except <laughs> you know, I'm determined to beat him in Rocket League. Yeah, I heard there was a big battle. Yeah, was, yeah was, that I deal, That was Will? not a battle. That was a straight <laughs> start. Yeah. No, how, it how was, was that significant. battle? It was a good match. Oh, uh, really? That's I not think what I th- heard. Thanks for downplaying <laughs> that. I think. <laughs> I think the only goal we good scored, match and even match Will not scored for us. But yeah. I think it's important to do that because I, I use the analogy all the time with students where... If you're a guitar player and what I, I see it a lot on campus, if you're a guitar player, one of the worst things you can do is hang out with a whole bunch of other guitar players. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know? But if you're a guitar player and you hang out with a vocalist and a songwriter and a drummer and a bass player, all of a sudden you got a band. Yeah, right. And you can do way more and learn from each other in different ways. And I think it's important to For lack of a better way to put it, diversify your friendships. Sure. Absolutely. Sure.
3: And now, I mean, just to piggyback on that, you know, creatively in the world that we live in. So I work um, in experience design primarily, you know, and the stuff that that I build and the programs that I work on, we use really high-end sound mixing for three-dimensional spaces. So we use the kind of stuff that Leslie does, and he makes me a lot smarter at that. We build a lot of stuff on different engines, and Grant and I spoke extensively in the past few years about some of the stuff that we've been doing on the Unreal Engine, and Hmm. how we wanted to move in that direction with some of our programs. It's
0: amazing how all the disciplines, especially the ones taught here at Full Sail, are Mm -hmm. merging together, Mm yeah.
3: Yeah, it's interesting, because I feel like it started there. You know, I mean, you look back 20 years ago, or, you know, not even that long, you know, 15 years ago when I was here and we had digital media and we had these like more multimedia style degrees and then everything got hyper, hyper specialized. But now you have all these specialists, but you need somebody that can put all those things together to make these much more, you know, complex and complicated projects that we can do now because we have complex and complicated computational devices that can handle performance based on these kinds of ideas. You just couldn't do that before. You could think of them all day long, but never execute them. Right. But now that you can actually execute them, you know, it's possible so you need to have them all together it's it's a very exciting time in that regard and it makes Full Sail extremely unique in that regard as well sure absolutely I don't don't think anywhere else in the world has teed up the understanding and the fundamental um, diversification and culmination of all those things in one place absolutely yeah
1: so so, yeah I mean that's that's super true I was talking to students yesterday and they uh, uh, we were reviewing their final projects and um, there was a game art student in there with these game development students and the game development students were kind of like complaining about the way something looked in their game and the game art student was like there's like hundreds of us like why didn't you ask any of us yes. for help he's like I could literally fix that in an hour and it was just one of those things where I was like well there you go and you know it when, when asking like I, I think the most difficult part about networking for most people is the group coming to a group of people and figuring out how to insert yourself into that group and there's <clears throat> there's a lot of wrong ways to do that and it is it is an interesting thing the main thing is ask people questions about themselves and when you come up to a group of people Kind Of read the conversation going on, if you're standing there and not participating in the conversation for more than a minute, it's super weird. Mm-hmm. Right? That is the one the weirdest It actually happened to me the other night where uh, um, did, Char- charity was talking to Martin, and I walked up and I was just like standing there. And we were, I was like, we're at Can the, I help you? I was like, We're at the 50 second mark, <laughs> this is getting weird. Yeah. And I was Aboard, just like, and I was like, but, but then you like turn around and walk away, and now they're like. that super weird guy, <laughs> yeah, right? So, yep. So you kind of come up, read the conversation and and see how things are going. See how you can like kind of insert your thought. Don't say just anything, but say something intelligent and then be like, oh, and by the way, you know, I'm Grant and I introduce myself to people and I've, I mean, that's literally how I've met most of my friends is they're in these pocket groups and I'm like, Ooh, there's, there's three of them. So they're standing in a triangle, which means that there's space for a fourth person (laughs) to become the diamond or the circle. Right. (laughs) But like, if there's four, you're like, how do I insert myself into this group? So, you know, it, it it can be really, really awkward, but, um, it's only going to be as awkward as you make it. So if you kind of diffuse the situation with a joke or you kind of come in and, uh, uh, read the situation, add your comment or, um, ask, ask, ask a question that's what I tend to do the most is like say uh Kim and Will and Leslie are talking about um you know about VR right and and I may actually know a lot about VR but I come up and um you know Leslie just made this point about oh you know I just played this game on Vive and like blah 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 And I say, oh, Leslie, so what, sorry, or or, sir, or whatever, you know, I was like, what did you, what (laughs) did you, sir, don't call people sir, that's super weird. But I'm like, what did you, well, what did you think about this aspect of it? And now, you know, we're just furthered the conversation. I'm now part of the conversation. And then there'll come a time where you introduce yourself. It's actually really interesting. I'm interested to hear if you guys find this too. There's a lot of times that I'll have like a 10 to 15 minute conversation with somebody and then be like, oh, by the way, I'm Grant." <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, oh, yeah. You just get yeah. so into it, right? Mm-hmm. Like you're just, you're having this great conversation and you don't want to take the time awesome. to be like, oh, by the way, my name is this. It's just like, <laughs> I don't care. Let's just talk. You know? Yeah.
0: That's when you know it's working. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what, what you talked about goes back to what Kim brought up, situational awareness. Yeah. I, I often tell people that, especially, and Will, I'm going to get to you next because I want to hear about GDCs coming up and any tips that you might have, like, for conferences. The, 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 I tell people that you should qualify as, as best you can, the people that you're talking to, especially in a conference situation, because the, the type of conversation you're going to have with a recruiter is going to be a lot different than you would have with a, a heavy tech lead tech programmer guy or something like that, you know. So the more you know about that person and the more you know how to steer that conversation. So, so that said, let's kind of move into GDC. Sure. Uh, if people here aren't aware, GDC is a game developer conference. It happens in the first quarter of every year out in San Francisco. Will has been a conference associate and, and very involved with that program for many, many years. Um, uh, and so as Grant, let's not leave that out, but... Um, you know, so what? What do you see that works and doesn't work in those situations? There's thousands of people crowding into an expo floor, and people are going there looking for jobs or to make connections. So, what? What's your take, man?
5: Uh, um, yeah, there's there's like a thousand mistakes I've seen. Um, I guess to generalize, um, the opening and the closing of any conversation there are where I catch the most mistakes and I try to help people when I, when I see either happening, not being prepared to exit. Like, you know, a lot of things I tell people, you know, I'll talk about resumes and cover letters and LinkedIn profiles and portfolios and business cards and how to do the interviews and yada, yada. And, um, I think business cards are by far the most important thing to be equipped with there. If the business card is designed correctly, Mm -hmm. you know, um, (laughs) As a game designer, I talk to lots of other game designers, and um, a lot of people are so focused on just being, I don't know, ha- creating a very specific facet of a game. They don't think about being a designer in other aspects of life. You know, there's a wonderful book that changed my life years ago called The Universal Principles of Design, and like 90% of it still apply to games. But when you write that resume, you're designing an experience that the people who read it are going to have. When you design that business card, same thing. And anything else you ever create, everything you create, you're designing an experience. So, um, yeah. Be prepared. Preparation. Yeah, yeah, be prepared. all that preparation. But, you know, they've covered a lot of, you know, entering conversations and not making it weird and all that. And, you know, like I said, the other end of that is just knowing when to exit. And there's a lot of right and wrong ways to do that.
0: Abort, abort. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Sometimes
5: abort is the right answer. You've already made it weird, just get out and reset and try again.
0: I I remember the very first GDC I went to, so this is a pilot 13 years ago. There was a student that I I don't remember his name, but I remember he wore one of those long black trench coats. Mm -hmm. And it was San Francisco March. It was, you know, 70, 80 degrees outside, and he had this big leather jacket on, and he wore it inside everywhere he went. And I was working around the the booth at the time at Full Sail, and I don't think he ever left that booth. And yet, I never saw him have a conversation with anybody, but he was doing what Grant talked about earlier, where he was just kind of standing on the peripheral of conversations that were happening without really jumping in and then thinking that he met these people and now he has these contacts mm-hmm. and they they would just have no idea who this guy was. So you have to engage. Totally. And, and I think that's where the disconnect comes with a lot of people that just feel uncomfortable with that engaging. I don't think you have to know all the answers. I think too many people go into those situations. I know when I was getting into the music business, I was smart enough to know Anytime I had the opportunity to like go backstage or there was a party or something like that, I was there. And I was you know rubbing elbows with the people that I wanted to be. And I was scared to death to ask questions because I felt in order for me to belong here, I need to already know this stuff. Mm-hmm. And I realize how wrong that is now that these people would have probably thought a lot more of me. If I took an interest in what they did and let them know I want to be you someday, how can I do that?
4: Yeah. I tell people all the time one of your biggest assets as a human being on this planet, this applies to your career, your life, your relationships, anything on you know, any of the above, if you learn to tune in on knowing what you don't know, valuable. Because once you're very aware of what you don't know, you can then ask for help, ask for advice, ask for knowledge. But that's the one thing that a lot of kids are lacking is they don't know what they don't know. Yeah, yeah and, sure. and and part of that is admitting it to yourself and all of that, you know, all those different stages. But for me as an adult and maturing, that's been, in my opinion, one of my biggest Um, areas of improvement and areas of focus is knowing what I don't know. And I still do it to this day. And I tell people all the time, I learn so much from the students that I hire just as much as they learn from me. Because, you know, people always say, you know, you know, the old cliche, if you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. And then one time, um, an intern asked me, he said, well, I mean, you're always usually the smartest person in the room. I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm usually the most experienced Mm. I'm not There's usually, a big difference. I'm not yeah. usually the smartest because yeah. you guys just got out of school. You just learned a ton of stuff that I'm not trained on. That I, you know, I didn't learn Pro Tools at full sale. I got out of full sale in 1992, so we didn't have Pro Tools yet. Yeah. And so I'm learning. From we had to sing into a tin can <laughs> <laughs> and cry a
3: string. Yeah, exactly. You put the ear horn <laughs> in the <ear laughs> <next thing>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
4: so I learned so much from the young people I'm around. All the time, still, to this day. That's cool. So I think, knowing what you don't know is important. Yeah, yeah. I, I think the main thing about that, the next step of that is is knowing
1: when you finally know what you don't know, don't let that paralyze you. right? Exactly. Like, you have to be hungry to learn. So the reason I, th- I think about this, you know, uh, I, I, I skydive, and the scaredest skydive I ever did was my one that I did after being gone for four months because now I knew all the things that I didn't know right, and all the things I needed to work on. Before, I was just like, I don't know what can mess up. I'm just going to jump out of an airplane and like do what they tell me, right? But <laughs> once I knew what I didn't know, it, and if I had kept allowing myself to think about that, it could have paralyzed me and like, mm-hmm. I could have never got back on the plane again. right. Well, but, which like, is funny
4: yeah. because most people, because you and I have that in common, yeah, yeah. skydiving, and the funny thing about skydiving is most people think they know what it feels like yeah. until they do it. Yeah. Because I, I was describing to that young lady the other day where most people have the impression that when you jump out of a plane, you're going to feel like how you feel when you're on a roller coaster and you're going down. And I, I explained to her, you're being pulled down by a roller yeah. coaster. So that feeling that you get in your stomach, like your stomach is coming up in your throat, and then you don't get that when you're out of it, but you don't realize it until you had a chance to experience it. And then yeah. you can process the information and say, oh, I know this now. And so it's, it's so funny that, you know. Yeah, yeah and, and, and
1: the point is that you, when you realize what you don't know, you can go no, right? And you can ask the right questions. And yep. I think that's what's really important is if you're in these situations, one of the things that I remember when I was first, I was the first like in the industry and I was going to these industry events. I was with the gods of the industry. I was just putting these places and I was like, okay, my options are to sit here silently and they'll never know who I am, or to go up and ask them questions that are deep into what they've done. And sometimes it's as simple as, hey, you know, um, you worked on this game and there was this basic feature. And then next thing I know, I'm having a conversation with the dudes who wrote the AI for The Sims, the like some of the top AI programmers in the world. And at this point, I can't follow what's going on in the conversation, <laughs> but I'm just like, "Uh, yes. And now I'm friends with those guys. Like, you know, it's just, yeah. it's that. Will has a good story. Uh, I believe it was
0: Elder Scrolls. The, uh, there was The Candle.
1: Yes. Yeah.
0: <clears throat> yeah,
5: I'll, I'll give you the short version of that real quick. Um, so... Let's see. Okay. I'm a student. It's my first GDC. A couple of months, actually, no, about one month before GDC 2012, the Skyrim creation kit came out February 2012, I want to say. And uh, I've, I've been modding for about 15 years off and on. That, that's largely what my portfolio consists of. <clears throat> and anyway, I'm going to sound real nerdy and like 10% of people listening will follow me, but in um, East Remorse tomb, who is like the dude behind the Companions, yada, yada, nerdy lore stuff... Uh, there was a screen candle in his tomb and i was like what's the significance of this green candle i don't know so i kept playing the game but then when the creation kit came out i was like okay i'm going to go to that location and uh try to dig into it see what was going on and i, I didn't see any events or collisions like i saw nothing happening around this candle and i really dug into it i couldn't figure it out so i, I started tweeting about it and um <clears throat> got a lot of rando answers nothing that was really that useful and uh this one guy chimed in um I didn't know who he was, and his description on Twitter was like six words. It was like level, I don't even remember, like father, level designer, public speaker, whatever. And he gives me uh, the best answer I've received so far, but I still didn't know who he was, and I was like, okay, and we just move on. Fast forward four weeks later, I'm at GDC. I'm at level design in a day, which uh, I think still occurs every Tuesday at GDC. It has for the past five years at least. And... um, The guy's name was uh, Joel Burgess, and he is now I want to say like lead overall level design at Bethesda and a wonderful man. He's been so kind every time I've ever ran into him there. But long story short, I have been a CA. I was a comps associate then, and I tried to take the opportunity of, oh, they just ate lunch there because they're so cool. Instead of going to lunch and hanging out, they sit there for like 90 minutes in the middle of level design in a day to give portfolio feedback to people. And again, just, just wonderful, wonderful they do that. But all their lunches, were, like, trash was everywhere and whatnot, and so I ran up, and I was like, let me take your trash, and, uh, then I was like, hey, you know, um, Joel, may I ask you a quick question, you know, what's up with that, that green candle, and he's from too many, and he looks at me, and then he was like, you're the guy, are, are you the Twitter guy? And I was like, yeah, man, I'm the Twitter guy, and again, I'm still a student, so I'm freaking out, and, um, they were, yeah, he was very cool, um. Nate Perkypile was with them that year, and I think he's been with them basically every year as well, and they were just super cool to me, and we had a great conversation. And then at the end of Level Design Day, they, at least at that time, would go back to the lobby of one of the local hotels to have drinks and stuff, and I was able to further chat with
1: them. All about a candle. All what about a candle. Like deal with
3: the candle. Yeah, so like we're we'll, all on the yeah, same RC. Oh, well, you know nothing. Absolutely not. I mean?
1: Absolutely not. <laughs> <Absolutely nothing. laughs> so the guys like the guys like it was just an asset that I just dropped yeah. in. I'm it's, pretty sure it was this crazy a kid, kid. It was yeah. like, <laughs> it's not not even green. like Your shits
3: weird.
1: It's right. pretty
0: cool though. You use your passion that turns into a cool introduction like that. Yeah. Grant has a good story, and, and we don't have to get go into the whole story, but you, you met Warren Spector just mm-hmm. by sitting next to him at a, at a panel, was it, or something? Yeah, or I mean, I, I, was I went
1: to. to I had, Warren Spector is the reason I wanted to make video games. Deus Ex is my favorite game of all time. I read that he was going to be at an all day um, education event at my first GDC, and so I went, and I was not. Like, I don't, I did, at the time I cared nothing about academia and games, right? So I went and was prepared to sit for eight hours to say hello to this guy. That was (laughs) it, really. And I sat down um, and I'm waiting, and 15 minutes into the morning, uh, I looked to my right and Warren Spector's sitting next to me, and I was just like, all right, here we go. And so I was just like, hey, I'm Grant Tronkweiler, I'm a student, um, and I make games because of you. And he was like, cool. And we talked for like off and on for the whole day and then ended up becoming friends and have been friends ever since then, and and then
0: the, the student became the master, and you actually introduced me to Warren, bit, yeah, which was which was really cool, and that was really thrilling to get to spend some time with him here on this campus, yeah. even. So. I have
3: a similar Twitter story, but you don't know me well enough to know I have it.
0: Well, then I was actually just about to—I was scanning your Twitter while we were talking, and I was going oh, to ask been, you about that. I've
3: been bad, but I I do a lot of the Twitters, and I did a lot of Twitters for a while, for a long while, um, actually. So there's a, a woman who was one of the founders of the Webby's, and she's just like, cool cool as all get out. She does films and things like that. Her name is uh, Tiffany Schlain. And I started kind of communicating with her on Twitter about a documentary that she did, um, her auto-blogography, which is re- this really great film. And as she was making it, um, she wound up losing her father, and it's about him, and it's it's a really moving piece. And uh, so we kind of we started tweeting, and she would respond to me, and she posts the most inspirational stuff. Um, But she's a big deal, you know, and this wasn't like I wasn't a student, but I wasn't like out doing talks and that kind of stuff. And the first year I went to South by Southwest, she was on a panel. So I'm just in the room, like in the back and she's on this panel and she's going over some stuff. And one of the things that she says on the panel is they were talking about um, social media and they're talking about uh, community and connectivity. And she says, I only really follow back and communicate with people that I, I actually like either know or want to know and communicate with. So I'm like. All right, well, I guess I guess you want to know me then. So I waited, and she's, like, up on this stage, and she's just, like, the coolest lady. She wears a top hat and stuff. Like, she's, like anybody who can, like, just wear a top hat Not a lot day, of people
0: can pull like, off a top hat. Tiffany
3: Schling, T-Pain. Like, that's it. Like, that's the list. That's the whole list So who can, like, pull off a top hat. I want them to, like, actually hang out. That would be... I wish that was, like, a thing.
1: Can you they make like, that happen?
3: That they go, like, shopping for top hats? Yeah, I don't know. I'm going to talk to Troy. It's my new reality <laughs> yeah, have to They have
1: to the <laughs> have the same top hat guy.
3: Like, the same haberdasher. <laughs> there's only, there's
1: yeah. only one haberdasher.
3: They're, like, both in San Francisco, like, getting to the same haberdasher. Okay, we're getting off topic. Getting sorry, off topic. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> Abort. So, I, like, kind of wait. And I'm pretty fangirl nervous, you know, because she's just sure. so cool. And I walk up to her at the end of it. And I was like, hey Tiffany, like, you know, I follow you on Twitter. We've we've chatted a couple times. Like I really love the panel. Like, really love what you're doing. And she goes, Who are you? And I was like, I'm Kim Albert. And she goes, Oh my god, Kim Albert. And she got off the stage and came down and like hugged me and was like so stoked wow. that I was there. And I was like, I like I'm supposed to I do this to you. <laughs> yeah. But like she was just as excited because we had been awesome. communicating back and forth. Mm-hmm. And had I not self-identified myself. And had I not communicated with her, but a lot of people think that like social media is just a lot of like vomiting out yeah. content. I run but into they, that
0: problem all the time totally. when I'm talking to people about
3: it. And they don't realize that like, it really is a communication platform, but yeah. you have to communicate on yeah. it. Yeah. Hitting like, or putting a heart on an Instagram photo isn't communication. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. students send me stuff all the time and want to connect with me and they'll connect with me and I'll follow you back. And like, but eventually like if we're not communicating, I'll forget that you exist and when I weed through like what could be like creepers, you'll get I'll bump you right out of there because I'm not, sure. I don't know you, you know, and yeah, we're strangers. Sure. Like yeah. we can be not strangers, even though we're we don't talk and we're not in the same city and you don't know my mom. Like we can still be friends, but you've got to go back and forth with me. You see me post something funny about like. Prosthetic leg robots, like, tell me about your uncle that's got no leg and, like, what that's like for you. Like, just whatever it is, whatever weird stuff that we're connected by, Right. let's talk about it. Yeah. I have a ton of friends that I've met that way and collaborators that I've met that way um, that are, you know, both young people that are starting out as well as incredible people in the industry that uh, I've maintained friendships for years with before we met in person. That's awesome. It's and, just, And yeah. to piggyback off of that, yeah. it's,
4: it's funny. So here on campus… Um I have a group of students that I affectionately call my squad. right? And it consists of all different races and disciplines. And so everybody's always trying to figure out what's the criteria to get into this squad. But it's exactly what Kim said, which is it's the ones that we connect somehow through social media. And I end up always having that experience where yeah. I'm doing a lecture. It happened three times this week doing a lecture, and I added three people to the squad. So I, <laughs> I, I'm doing a lecture, and then that person will say, hey, I'm the one we had that conversation, da-da-da. And I'll be like, oh, it's you, da-da-da. Here's and the golden they, ticket. Right. Yeah. But everybody's still trying to figure out what is the criteria, and it's exactly that yeah. direction. Yeah. I've
1: been trying for five people. years to get in that squad. I
0: know, right? Grant and I are like, <laughs> we're just like over here in like our other squad. <laughs> <laughs> well, as a, a, a career advisor especially when i was here it's it's funny because you know you take a guy like mark or, or will or grant i mean you guys were all in the game dev program that i was working in and i knew you guys long before you ever needed any help and i know you like none of you guys need any help anymore you guys are up and running your rock stars you're doing your thing but yet we still keep in touch mm-hmm. so but subsequently there's a lot of guys that you can tell and I, and I don't mind when a student uses me. It's like, that's what I'm here for. That's my job. But let's be sincere about it at the same time, you know. And it's like, you don't hear from somebody for five years. And then all of a sudden, it's like, hey, buddy, what's right. going on? I, how you been? You know, well, where where were
4: you when you didn't need anything? Exactly. So I, I agree and, and a perfect example to, to to piggyback off of that. So I had a student, um, I posted this thing on Facebook last week where I was like, if you see me on campus, bring me one of these four things. And it's just like... Uh, oh know, yeah yeah I saw that Yeah, and ice drinks that I like frappuccinos <laughs> <laughs> it's a new iPhone or something
0: Yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Could, I didn't yeah. get any of them. I, was, I was like a vibe and a
4: drone
3: like, I was <laughs> yeah. like what they gave me my last night <laughs> I know I know
4: <laughs> so there's one kid he brings me the drink the the drink that I asked for the ice drink and we chat and, da, 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 and I really liked him I told him I said look you got the internship you'll come to Atlanta when you, he's moving to Atlanta next month gave him my number gave him Sean's number one of the guys I brought back we're good. The following day, he brought me a sparkling ice again. He had already gotten gotten what he wanted. Yeah, but just absolutely. the fact that he brought it again, and then he saw me on campus a third time and handed me something else. He that thought that that thought process let me kind of gave me a window into his mind. Like it wasn't about just accomplishing the thing. It was about maintaining that relationship. That's awesome. Like, just, yeah, that's very like, cool. Say, yeah, you know? that's. I, cool. I
1: remember our first meeting. We didn't talk about like we talked about music and baseball. I think. I think you're right. right. <laughs> like we didn't. I was like, I'm Grant, and like you had like all this music stuff on the wall, and I was like, Did you work in music? And and I have a similar story where I was in music for a while too, and so we just started talking about music, and then I was like, Oh, and you're a Detroit Tigers fan. Let's talk about baseball, and then it yeah. was like. Oh yeah, and I'll it was like an and, hour like, later. I'll, I was like, "Why back. did you come in here?" <laughs> yeah, I was like, "I'll come back in like a couple months and show you a resume or something." Because I was yeah. here like month four of the program. Or yeah, something exactly. Like that. You know, I, I wasn't trying to find a job. I just wanted to meet Rob and well,
0: and and Steve Derrick from Vicarious Visions. When I talked to him, Jesus, a, a year ago or so, and we were talking about networking, and his thing was, you know, do it because you're passionate about what you do. You should want to go to these events. You should want to get involved. If this is what you're going to do and you're passionate about it, it's, it, you know, I'm, I am I love going to baseball games. I love being around baseball. I'm never going to be a player, but I'd go and hang out with other people that like that stuff because I'm passionate about it. And I was really, I, I thought last night at the Hall of Fame ceremony, it was really cool how they did it this year where they had the bleachers around where the students mm-hmm. could watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I thought there's... There's, what, a population on this campus of probably six to 8,000 students, and there were maybe 1,000 students out there.
3: It was yeah. massive.
0: It yeah, was but awesome. compared to what it could be. I had that yeah. thought, too. And I, I wrote a post today on the Hall of Fame thing where I was kind of giving props to the students that showed up because uh, yeah. I know every single one of you, former Full Sail alumni, would have been in those stands, exactly. And look at where you're at now, yeah. you know. Yeah. But That's the ones that think like, well, I didn't really necessarily need to be there. There wasn't anything in it for me. I don't know any of those I people. I mentioned that
4: yesterday in one of my uh, lectures. I was like, it kills me, the students that take Hall of Fame and interpret it as a vacation. You know, yeah. know, like leave campus. Yeah. The, yeah. And it's like time of off. It's yeah. funny. Of yeah. Yeah. And those, yeah, are it usually the,
0: those are usually the ones that like when push comes to shove are like, well, how come I can not get a job?
3: Yeah. And I always thank those t- students. I always thank them when I as a, as an alum and when I encounter people in the wild, and they're like, "Oh, full sail!" Like I'm like my waiter or something somewhere, but oh, into full sale yeah. And I'll be like, well, "I'm sorry that didn't work out for you, and you didn't care enough to make something of it." But yeah, yeah. I appreciate you affording me all the equipment that I had. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I always yeah, exactly. say that about the people that dropped out, and people are like. Oh, that school sucked. Like I, I was there for like three months. It was so expensive. I left. I didn't get shit. Right. You know what I mean? Like there were yeah. no, there were no girls. Um, and why like, are you like, in school? Yeah. Like I'm like, cool, man, like thank you. Like thank you. Because I had like six computers all to myself in the lab. And I crushed and learned everything. You know, thank you for buying me that Quanto that I got access to and Thank you for that beautiful green room with the robotic cameras. Thanks
1: for the mech. Thank you
3: for the mech bay. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> thank you for my VR mech bay that I can go and play with now. Um, I want to also bring up a point because we talk a lot about being genuine and like uh-huh. being frenzies with people yeah. um, when you network. But I, I think it's a really cool thing. It's something I've become more okay with as I've gotten a little bit older. And <laughs> it's a very New York y kind of way of being, which is actually uh, something I didn't understand I do now. Um, you can be very transactional, but don't make it a friendship. Make it just transactional. right. That's okay. Yeah. Right. I'm not everybody's cup of tea. Yeah, you don't have to be my friend <laughs> to have a professional situation in which we should be connected. <laughs> but right. yeah. that is absolutely okay, right. Don't ask me you know don't tell me that you're sorry that my dog died and then talk to me about some work stuff if all you really want to do is talk to me about some work stuff. Right. Yeah. That's fine. Network me up. I don't mind being networked you know it's a really okay thing to do and understand that it's okay and don't it's so disingenuous to make it something that it's not like if that person who hadn't talked to you in five years called you up and instead of being like hey buddy this night just be like i know we never talk but i've got this opportunity mm-hmm. or i'm looking for an opportunity that's all i'm saying it's so honest yeah you know and it's you're, totally you're okay. absolutely right
4: i would have so, responded yeah. to that don't, so much better don't feel than like you then. can't
3: just do that like yeah. that's totally but don't call me
4: after five years and be like Hey, sorry your dog died. Oh, by the way, I have this. Opportunity, you know, I'm working on a new pitch, and I feel like you like, used that to what? get to that, and then you can just be genuine and be like, "Hey, I only called you because of this reason." Yeah, and that's fine. And I just okay. And
3: I do that with students and stuff too, and and like I'm I don't know you, and we probably don't have right. anything in common. I'm like you know, forty years older than you, um, and I'll be like, "Hey, I'd love to introduce you to this other person, this and that. like, because sometimes it's people who I have no business." With what they're doing, you know, right. computer animations, you don't want to come and talk to me, be my mentor. I'm like, no, that makes no sense. Yeah, right. Um, but I'll know people that would be a good fit. And I'm sure. not passing you off. I'm connecting you up. There's a currency there of creating a network of good people. And sometimes you're not the one. Yeah. You right. know, it's not like you're the one all the time. Um, and that's okay. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's and okay. that's okay. And that's, that's totally I think that's okay. important
0: to know. Yeah. Um. I, I know this turned out to be exactly what I hoped it would be, and I mean, this just thrills me to death that you guys took the time to, to do this with me, so I want to thank you guys. Can I
3: leave you one more thing? Yeah, I was going to ask
0: for final thoughts oh, here from okay, everybody, well, so, yeah. You mean,
5: go first. Oh, I, yeah. I
3: thought about it when you were talking, and I don't want to forget, because yeah. it's that it just came up at my gig, and we, we used to have an intern program at DCI, and now I really want to have one again, and... I had a conversation um, with our VP, with my boss about it. And he said, we can't do it right now. But after we prove out this department, after you prove that department, because really it's a gift to you to have this because it's taking time away where you're not doing stuff, you're helping them. Yeah. And I think a lot of interns think that we are just like, Haha, free labor. Yeah, right. But it's actually like... This incredible, gen- generous thing of our time, yep. where we're not doing the thing that we love, where we're not doing our craft, and where we're we're taking time and it being it being shown to me as that it really it made one it made them understand what I believe an internship program should be, which is me spending time nurturing and growing and developing you know young people, um, but it really just put a pin in that that it's a gift oh, to yeah. me.
0: That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah, and. You mentioned it earlier, you learn so much from them, just yeah. like they're learning from you. Yeah. My favorite quote from uh, Josh Bass, who's a, one of the creative directors at Rockstar, he, he, he had it like right on the front of his slide. It was, if you're going to be in this industry, know that you're nothing more than a full-time student the rest of your life. Yeah. And to me, that's what makes it exciting. I get bored if I'm just digging the same ditch every day or punching the same widgets out eight hours a day. So I like to have that new challenge come to me and something to to kind of learn yep and you I think any job is going to offer equal parts the ability to contribute and learn and and if you find that balance in
4: any job then that's perfect so. and learning comes in all formats too my final thought um, I met a young lady last night and she made me and demo cry outside we she took us outside tear gas or real tears Round wow. so what happened is she comes up to me and she says hey do you remember me and I was like yes we keep in touch and you know but we had I hadn't spoken to in about a year so a year ago she was on academic probation and she was homeless wow. I didn't know about the homeless part until tonight I mean last night she heard a talk that demo and I did last year she took notes in the talk. She wrote down quotes that the demo said, quotes that I said, quotes that the demo said. She had it on in a, in a, a book. She had the book in her backpack last night. She said those quotes saved her life. She turned her grades around. She graduated with honors from Full Sail. Wow. Now she works for NASA. She was the girl walking around with the NASA t-shirt. So Damn. I, I saw her. You see I saw her and me, I was like, she, made, she, she brought me to tears. Not. But wow. my point is, those are the things I learned from them as well, which is, hey, man, I, you can be homeless on academic probation and in a year you can turn it around and you can get out of tough situations. So that made me look at whatever tough situations I'm dealing with and go, I can turn it around. I can yeah. learn from her experience. So, you know, that's a learning great, comes in all forms. It's that's not a great just story. technical stuff. Who's next? Mark? Oh,
2: sure. Um, I don't want to follow that. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, dude. Thanks. Thank God. Yeah. Oh, I, I did want to take a quick second to address one, one thing. Um going back to your story about the kid in the trench coat from earlier, that was total not literally, that was you? but that was me. In high oh, school. Was really? Yeah. And and like there's um you know, we've talked a lot about networking and putting yourself out there and, and I I just wanted to also throw out there that it's understood that that's not an easy thing for some people. And, uh, you know, there's a, people out there with like, kind of a crippling social anxiety and I've seen it amongst other game dev people at times. And um, just, some, just wanted to offer some advice towards that because that was totally me at one point, um, is to, to, to build up the courage to go up and talk to people, a stranger, um, is to don't devalue yourself beforehand. You know, know that you deserve to be there and the things that uh, you know, understand that you don't know everything and, and know that you deserve to be able to seek the answers that you nice. want. Yeah. And um, so, you know, uh, I was really, really weird in high school. I was a real weird dude. <laughs> I was like, So not much guy. Has changed. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, no, not too yeah. much. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just weirder in different ways now. But, um, no,
0: that 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 is good that is good advice. Everybody's got a story, everybody is weird. Yeah. Is is everybody is weird? Yeah, everybody should. Yeah, you've got to have some confidence yeah, that, that you there, can make a contribution, but you also have to couple that with humility and knowing that you yeah, have a lot of to course, love. totally, and yeah. and
2: like, you know, if it happens or when it happens that you go up to someone and you can't get yourself into the conversation, and it's it's weird and it's awkward, and you've got to abort. Don't beat yourself up over it because yeah. it's happened to everyone in here, I'm sure. It's Absolutely. happened to all of us. And it, and the best networkers I know and, and the greatest people I've met all have a little bit of leniency towards um, that sort of thing because they know what it's like to start out in the industry and be that way as well, especially from a, a game development. I'm a socially awkward programmer, you know, and, and we all understand what it's like to be, uh, at least I do, the, the weird kid that doesn't really identify with a lot of people and, uh, you know, video games draws draws in that crowd, I think. And, and so understand that you're amongst uh, like-minded people. Nice. Yeah.
0: Great thought, Mark. Thanks. Slick Willy, what do you got, man? Um, hmm. Okay, I guess I'm just going to go back to GDC real
5: quick since it's like a week and a half away. Less than that. No, it's not it's I know, like, I know. We it's fly like, out like in eight days. It's
1: like six or <clears> seven <throat> days away.
5: Um, oh. Last year at GDC, so, you know, I was employed at uh, Deep Silver Volition at the time as a game designer, a wonderful company and stuff, had a good time there. They um, So, and I, you know, I was a conference associate. That was my fifth year being a conference associate, which, you know, is the force that operates GDC, uh, at least in part. And anyway, I, I saw a fellow conference associate. Um... He was working on the doors, and he was by himself, and I, I got the awkward vibe for him, and um, I wanted to go kind of support him. So I walk up and introduce myself, say, this is who I am, this is where I work. And he looks me in the eye, and without even, like, saying anything else, he's like, is that an indie studio About Volition, right? It's like, 20-year industry studio. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so I look at him, and, you know, pu- um, immediately my ego kind of flares up, and I'm like, I- I'm holding it back, and I'm processing, you I know, will crush I- you. What can I do here? <laughs> well, yeah, but... Being a conference associate is always such a humbling experience. I immediately thought to myself, okay, how do I make this a coaching opportunity? So I stand there for a few minutes with him because uh, there were no attendees around that really needed our attention anyway. And I, I explained things, and, and, again, I just I, I tried to, to strengthen him as a, as a sibling of the conference associates. But that was uh, the, the point here.
0: A, and a sibling of the human race. Yes, <laughs> totally, totally. The,
5: the point here, though, is just, just know your industry. Yeah. know like pay attention to things you should know who Knowledge the big players power. are. Yeah, yeah and you know there, there might be more popular games and companies out there but yeah never never look at a 20-year game studio <laughs> yeah. and just have no clue um anyway i made lemonade i'm just saying know your industry yeah, yeah absolutely i like it <clears throat> all right beyond. grant you're up with yeah, beyonce man.
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, I think one of the most important things I can say about um, about networking and getting to know people and, and finding a job and all those things is, is about the, f- the friend aspect of it, right? And, and that is inherently people want to know about you and they want to talk about themselves, right? And one of the things that, you know, I always love about Hall of Fame and GDC is I... I end up asking more questions of students about themselves and being more interested in what they're doing than they probably are in me. They may not realize that, but for example, the, the, the mech based stuff that we're talking about, the, the guys who are working on building a VR mech simulation that is like completely articulated movements and all this stuff. I, I fanboyed. On them. I went, mm-hmm. I kind of went nuts on them and like they, they kind of freaked out, but that's, that's the thing that I always tell people is you're, you're, you're probably an interesting person and you probably have a different perspective. And most people want to have conversations about that. Right. And, and the best conversations I've had this week are me asking questions and sitting and listening to students talk for, for 20, 30 minutes. I, I'm not giving dispensing advice to them. I'm just learning from them. And so a lot of people just want to talk about themselves, but they also want to hear from you. So it's, When I approach a new person, I always start by asking lots of questions, but I'm ready if they want to ask about me to tell them interesting facts about myself or interesting things that I'm working on. Because, um, you know, if someone asks you, well, well, what do you do? And you just say, oh, I'm a student. Well, you just killed the whole conversation. But if you say, oh, I'm a student and I'm really interested in X, Y, and Z, and currently I'm working on this, and, you know, my, my dream job is this you know, the art of conversation and just kind of continuing things is important. Don't, don't try and just kill a conversation, ask lots of questions and, and, you know, be ready to, to talk about yourself. And, and people talk about the elevator pitch thing. That's fine. But I don't really want elevator pitches from people. I want to have a deep conversation. When I was talking to Bryce, he was like, do you want the elevator pitch or the real conversation? And I'm like, I want the real talk, man. And we talked for an hour and a half about, what he does and, and how he does it and how he got to where he, he was. And that was, I mean, I'm so overwhelmed by how awesome that guy is. If he had just said, Oh, you know, I help make uh, amusement parks in Dubai, I'd be like, Well, that's cool. But he just killed the conversation. Yeah. So, um, yeah, be ready to talk about yourself and uh, have good questions. That's and, awesome. and, and know your audience, right? Yeah. Like, if, if you see somebody who you know, you know, volition, right? Go up and be like, Oh, hey, I, you know, um, I really like uh, Descent. Did you work there? And they're like, uh, no, that was like twenty years ago, right? But it's I I actually have had that conversation with people in volition like Descent was this great game, and I played it this way, blah blah blah. But um, but yeah, that's that's my my last words.
0: I think being prepared is extremely important. Boy Scouts. The more knowledge you have of the industry that you're in, yeah, the 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 more you have to talk about with other people. I had I was telling this story earlier today. I have a, a former boss that was just the furthest thing from a sports fan that you could possibly that you'll ever meet, right? But every morning he would read the sports page because inevitably when we would be out having business lunches and dinner, talk would come up about whatever was going on that week. So he at least knew what everybody was talking about and could occasionally pipe, you know, pipe in. And I thought, that's doing your homework. That's yeah, being prepared. Yep. So, you guys, this is really cool. I I can't thank you guys enough for taking some time to talk with us. Um, I'm going to post all your Twitter handles when I post this on the blog so that everybody knows how to connect with you. And um, thank you guys so much. Again, um, for anybody that is interested, you can find me at robcoble.org. And uh, thanks, you guys.
4: Thanks, Thanks, Rob.